My pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you with advice and guidance that empowers you so you make better financial decisions in your life. To start out today's show, I'm going to give you an update because so many people are wondering about what's been going on with my health. And I was just in the hospital again just the other day for a half a day of tests, and I can fill you in on what's going on. It's good news. Speaking of good things, wow, one thing I love, my wife can't stand, is how much I love a giant screen television. And I want to tell you, and it's all about football for me, there are absolutely ridiculously great deals here in January on giant televisions. And I'm going to tell you how to look for them, what you should be looking for. And before I get to all that, I want to remind you, the Team Clark Consumer Action Center, now 31 years old, is ready to take your phone calls Monday through Friday with one-on-one free advice, guidance, and information. And you can find all the details if you go to clark.com slash CAC. So the story on my health is... I had a birth defect in my heart that for decades just went right along. I always had a a bad heartbeat. And about 10 years ago, I became very familiar with my cardiologist and started going regularly because the defect I had or have is a defective aortic valve. And for most of my life, there was nothing you could do about it. It would just give out and you'd die. Well, mine finally reached a point in the fall where I could have died any day. I mean, I was, I was in really not great shape. And so I had to have an operation. And because of the advances of modern medicine, I was able to have an operation that did not involve doing what they call the zipper, where they cut you open, do full open heart, and that has its own problems with extremely lengthy recovery times. And instead, I was able to have a procedure called a TAVR, transcatheter aortic valve replacement. And so in me now, and by the way, they do that with, I had three cuts, three arteries, they went in through my body with various devices, robotic type things. It's much more interesting than I'm describing it. And intricate. And these brilliant surgeons and medical teams were able to temporarily stop my heart, put in a new valve that is called the Sapien X4. And I'm a science experiment because the Sapien X4 is not FDA approved yet. So I'm in a 10-year research study. And I'll tell you a funny thing about that in a second. So in this 10-year study to see if this will improve the survival of people who need uh, aortic valve replacement. So I now have a valve in me that's part metal, part fabric, and part cow. It took over the operations of my aortic valve, placed inside my aortic valve, and instantly... My heart that was failing suddenly is pumping blood 
just like it's supposed to. Battery of tests I just had one month out from surgery. The valve's working almost like it should. I still have a blood leak around the valve, and so I'll be tested three months from now and three months after that. But anyway, this research study is a kick because I have to fill out these long, long, long questionnaires every 90 days that are all these arcane questions that I can't figure out what they have to do with anything with my heart. And then I have test after test after test after test and uh, get poked and prodded. They take so many vials of blood. I don't know what they're doing with the blood. So the whole idea is this valve is supposed to improve survival rates for people who need aortic valve replacement. But the really cool thing is I had this procedure on one day, and Krista, you got to see me in the hospital I did. in recovery the day of surgery. I couldn't believe it. You were just like sitting up as happy as could be. Yeah. It's like you hadn't just had surgery. Because I so lived. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and you might have been on a couple of drugs too. I don't oh, know. yeah. I have to say the funniest thing I have to tell the audience that they brought in Clark his first meal oh. after his surgery while I was there. Oh, man. And he has to be on a low sodium diet yes. now and eat healthier. And they yes. they had the cover on the meal and they revealed it. And it was like a piece of skinless chicken breast and a little scoop of like saltless mashed potatoes. Right. Was that what that was? Well, all they, it was. they had the appearance of mashed potatoes. You know, it looked like <laughs> the food looked like when a, a little kid has a play kitchen. Yeah. And they have the plastic food that they move around. True. And your face so, looked like the so face I'm, of a little so kid. So I'm trying to cut this chicken. It won't cut because it's like congealed chicken. It just won't do anything. And then the mashed potatoes, I knew I was putting a substance in my mouth, but it had no taste at all. It was like, so. I've never seen anyone's bottom lip actually come up and cover their top lip like yours did when you looked at that food. So much. You were so sad. Yeah, well. Hospital food is not exactly a prize anyway. But you've been doing well with your I've diet. I've been doing really well with the diet. Anyway, we'll see because the big thing is I was going to die. We don't now want I'm that. not. And I've been averaging 18,000 steps a day. And I just got permission to go back to my twice a week yoga. I've lost strength in my upper body because I haven't been able to do yoga in four mm-hmm. months. I'll be able to do that. and I can lift weight again largest amount of weight I was allowed to lift for the last so long was nine pounds. Do you know how ridiculous that is for somebody who travels all the time? Mm-hmm. You have a carry-on suitcase that you stuff 25 pounds in and you can't lift it for yourself. So It's a problem. Yeah, but the real problem is now a solution. I'm not going to croak right now. Thank goodness. Yes. That's good. Thank goodness. Okay. And uh, by the way, Thank you so much. So many people have done so many kind things with including me on their prayer list, having me in their thoughts, sending these really nice cards. It was really wonderful. It's awesome. Well, you are loved and we are all glad that you're doing so well for sure. All right. Corey in California says, my mom was trying to buy Lakers tickets as a gift for my brother. She was searching on a legitimate ticket site. I looked at it late at night and fell asleep holding her iPad. She woke up to a text message from her bank asking if she made a purchase of $19,000 from the site. 
Sure enough, she got an email com- confirmation saying she had purchased courtside seats. We were wondering if she got hacked somehow or if she actually purchased the tickets by mistake. She has disputed the charge with her bank, but the site has a no refund policy. Is there anything else she can do since she did not intend to buy these tickets? Okay, that's the craziest thing ever. And there's, I looked at it and I don't see a way that this could happen without entering your information. So her mom doesn't say, I mean, she never said, hey, I entered my credit card or anything right. like that. She fell asleep. And so I think because Corey says, could she have accidentally purchased them? Maybe that's what happened. But only if she had gone as far as entering her stuff. Right. I don't know how that, how somebody could hack and get everything if you were on the site. I'm not sure. What do you think? I mean, that's a tough one. That's really a tough one. Like sometimes you'll put tickets in your cart and I don't know what could have happened, but I think I would try to but resell them. But if you put them. them in your cart, you'd still have, you still to, have to enter. purchase them. You still have yeah. to enter payment data. That is crazy. First of all, who has a credit card with a limit that'll take wow. a $19,000 purchase? Usually you'd get a, a decline on that. I know. But the bank did ask, but she did dispute it. So we'll have to see what happens, I guess. But I would try to resell them if I could. That's an expensive Lakers game. That is an expensive game. You'd be sitting up there with the stars. Floor. Not worth it. No. Next to J-Lo. And those people actually pay for those tickets. Yeah. You know, they're not, give, generally, they're not comp those. They're paying for those expensive courtside seats. Wow. That's a tough one. But other than disputing, I don't know what you can do. And what's the what's the bank going to say? Yeah. I mean, it's just hard because if there's been no other hack right. in her mother's life, there's no pattern that would show that, that this was a result of a hack. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, we certainly need to know, Corey, from you what happens because yes. there's not a normal pattern or path here that we could tell you, okay, your mom should do this, that, or the other. She's done the one thing we would recommend, which is to dispute the charge, but hard to say what would happen with that. Carrie in New York says, when you sign up for a streaming service, can you access it, including all the channels, anywhere in the United States and abroad, assuming you have internet access? First of all, not abroad. People figure out workarounds using virtual private networks outside the United States, but digital rights almost always with streaming services and when you cross a border. And there's been a big gripe of people over time that you don't have the right to pay a subscription for whatever and watch it wherever your eyeballs are at that time. Now, then the second thing you asked to watch a streaming service wherever you are in the United States, that depends on the terms of service of that streaming service. As an example, we have YouTube TV. So if I'm traveling, there's a pop-up on YouTube TV that asks if I am temporarily in this area or if I am permanently in the area that I'm now watching. Because they won't let you, if you're on vacation, you're traveling, they'll let you temporarily watch it under their terms of service wherever you are. But if you say, no, I'm here now, or let's say you're somebody with a vacation home and a regular home, they're going to try to force you to have not one subscription with them, but two. This is up to each service. The other thing they're doing 
is in families where people have shared passwords, they're trying to force you to have many streaming services. Netflix caused a lot of hurt feelings when they went to this system where you had to have a different Netflix subscription depending on where you were in the country. You know, if you had two people watching in different places. On the other hand, with most streaming services, if you are like the YouTube example, YouTube TV example, if you're just traveling temporarily, they do let you take it with you wherever you are in the United States. But again, not outside our borders unless you do a technology workaround. And also speaking of streaming, Carol in Georgia says, what streaming service do you recommend? Well, what is streaming service? So it's really broken into three categories now. First are streaming services that mimic what we used to have with traditional cable television, broadcast channels, uh, what we called cable channels. So it could be all the things that Turner Broadcasting had like TBS and TNT and Lifetime from whoever does Lifetime and all those kind of things. And then the networks, that's like like the YouTube TV I was talking about or Hulu Live or uh, Fubo or things like that. For that kind of stream, it all depends on what channels matter to you. We have a tool we update regularly. You can go in and you can put your favorite traditional channel you like to watch in there. And it'll tell you who's the cheapest for you to watch that on. And then you put in your second favorite channel. We'll tell you who's the cheapest for you to watch those two together and what will your monthly bill be. And you keep going from your first priority on down, and then you'll see your monthly bill jump from like 40 a month to 65 a month. You say, well, I can really live without my fifth favorite channel. So it gives you the ability to keep that traditional cable kind of stream cost the lowest possible per month. So that's one kind. Second kind is where you get things like the Disney Channel or Paramount or what's the one they cordoned off some of the playoff games on it that's owned by Comcast, also begins with the P, Peacock. And Max, which is the old HBO and all those kind of things. That category, it really has to be what shows your interest in. My favorite of every one of them are the ad-supported ones because they're so much cheaper. Also, you may with a credit card or like with Walmart Plus or whatever, you may be able to get a streaming service for free or really cheap through your subscription with something like Walmart Plus, Amazon Prime, you get the Amazon Video With commercials now, if you don't want commercials, you have to pay a fee. It gets pretty complicated. But the reality is a lot of people are streaming a lot more of these services than you actually have eyeballs and time to watch. So my favorite thing is to only subscribe to what you actually enjoy watching and get rid of the others. The third category is my absolute favorite, free advertiser-supported television. We've got a whole guide on Clark.com to fast services, free channels that you can get that have tons of content, and I'm more than happy to watch those and never have to pay a monthly bill. So we'll link these in the show notes, but I have to say that tool you talked about earlier, I've never seen that. It's proprietary. We have it on our site. We created it. 
I don't know of anyone else who has something like that, but that you can get to quickly by going to clark.com slash channel tool. And we streaming is one of our, as you say, beats, like it's something we cover constantly, the streaming deals to help people save on their monthlies. Um, and if you go to clark.com slash streaming, that's, you'll find our whole streaming guide and all the reviews we've done of all the services. And by the way, there's more because coming there's straight more. ahead, I'm going to talk about deals on the actual TV that you'd watch this stuff on. Man, are there deals right now. Incredible. But in one particular category is where the deals reside right now. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. Every year at this time is we're in NFL playoffs headed towards the Super Bowl. There are always ridiculous deals on TVs, the ones that are going to be discontinued and the new season TVs will come in. So I'm not talking about absolute state-of-the-art TVs, but I've always been someone who believes the way the technology curve works. You buy current technology, don't reach into what's the aspirational technology because you're going to get the most value for your money. And we were just talking about streaming a few minutes ago. If you're streaming anyway, there's going to be a degradation of the video quality through streaming. And so there's no reason for you to reach for that aspirational TV that you'd pay a lot more for. You buy what's current. I teased at the very top of this podcast, I've seen 85-inch TVs. 85-inch! I mean, you got to have a decent size room or basement or whatever rec room to use an 85-inch TV, but you want one, let me tell you, particularly if you like sports. And Sam's, I was just in Sam's, and they have a bunch still on the floor, you can't get them at samsclub.com right now, of 85-inch TVs at $7.99. And in some places in the country, they're giving a $100 gift card when you buy that $7.99 TV. So the net effective cost of an 85-inch TV, $699. Speaking of six-something, no matter where you go, you'll find a lot of 75-inch TVs because a lot of people don't have a space that can handle an 85-inch TV. And my wife won't let me get an 85-inch because she says it just wouldn't look right in our living room. I'm heartbroken. Anyway, 75-inchers, I'm seeing them at $4.99, but without even trying, you can buy one. $649, $699, just looking around without even trying hard. And these are all great 4K televisions 
a lot of them regular brand names, and then the Rockut Cheaps, like that seven ninety nine at Sam's Club is a TCL. I have a TCL TV. I love my TCL TV. You may not want a TCL TV. You may say, well, I got to have a Samsung or an LG or whatever. Another brand that has been very heavily discounting in the very large TVs is Hisense. Now, the thing that Hisense and TCL usually do, because people are like, what's that? I can't even say it right. What is it? What does TCL stand for? No idea. They tend to sell them with a three-year manufacturer's warranty on the TV. So if it does die on you, you're okay other than the hassle of dealing with a repair or an exchange. So you got 85s and 75s, some places 86s, it'll be really cheap. The thing that was a deal, not as much a deal right now, there's some price compression, 65-inch TVs. When I was talking about this last January, I was going on and on about what a deal 65-inch TVs were. This year, eh, pretty mediocre on the 65s on the deals. So this year, leading into the Super Bowl, the real deals on the giant screens. Who knows what next January will bring? Krista? First question here is from Leah in Texas. Have you heard of, she names a billing medical billing company, and how legit their business is. I'm trying to branch out in 2024 into my own small business, but I don't want to devote time and money into a brick and mortar business. This company claims to be an online only business that helps doctors with their medical billing to generate revenue for doctors, as well as the people who are the business owners. There's a $30,000 one-time business fee, but they offer a 30-day money-back guarantee. It almost sounds too good to be true, is it? It is too good to be true, Leanne. I'm glad you asked me before you spent the thirty thousand. Uh, this company's method of operation is very similar to many others that we've heard about, and this has been a sore spot for me for years. In fact, it's in I think two of my books about being wary of this. It's not a scam, but it's right on the edge. I would call it a ripoff, the medical back office billing ripoff that these. Companies promote, you know, doctors and medical facilities that need your help with billing. They're usually not that good at it, true. They say, this is an instant business. We're going to teach it to you. We're going to sell you the kit. You're going to be out there making all this money handling billing for primary care, specialty practices, whatever in medicine. Don't believe it. If you think about bills you get from medical facilities and doctors practices now, labs, imaging services, they're all professional companies. This area now is in the hands of a lot of fairly big anonymous companies that are handling billing. And the idea that you can just buy a kit in a field you're not experienced in, you don't have years of work history, and suddenly you're going to be running a medical back office billing service? No. I looked on Reddit. I love Reddit for this and looked at the parent company of this one that Leah mentioned and also some of their other affiliates and people write about their experiences. And you can see that they basically all say you have to work, I mean, night and day, like 24 hours a day to make very little money in the end. 
Mark in Nevada says, my granddaughter turned 16 this spring and I would like to let her use my 2014 SUV that is in excellent condition. She lives with her mother in another city and because of this, my insurance company won't allow me to place her on my policy. I really don't want to transfer ownership of the vehicle. I know you prefer the word vehicle. (laughs) But I want to limit my liability in case of an accident. I would like her to be responsible for gas, maintenance, and insurance, but her budget for liability limits might not be enough to protect me. She's an excellent student and very responsible, but accidents can happen to anyone. What do you think is the best way to handle this? Thanks for all you do. Your advice over the years has done wonders for me. So you started off with a statement that I disagree with, Mark. You don't want to transfer ownership to your granddaughter. In this case, you're creating problems with liability for yourself by not transferring ownership. The right thing to do in this case is give this car, this SUV, to your granddaughter. It's 2014, not going to have a lot of book value. You want her to have the advantage of it, so you should transfer it to her and remove the liability risk from you. If you then want to help her with some of the liability insurance costs that she'll have, because you don't want your granddaughter on a 2014 probably to have collision and comprehensive. You really want to just protect on the liability side. And that's why you don't want to still be owner. Because a teenager, inexperienced behind the wheel, the accident rate's higher. You don't want to stand the risk of the liability that's why she needs to own it and just go all in sign it over and let her have ownership what a nice grandfather that's right greg in california says i got notification that google podcasts will be going away soon which is how i enjoy your content so i tried using youtube to watch and listen unlike the organized list of podcasts by date on google podcasts the youtube channel seems to be disorganized and a confusing mess How do I find particular podcasts by date? Is there any way to sort it by date like the Google podcast does it? Thanks, Clark. I don't want to miss any podcasts. And if YouTube in its current state is my only choice, I fear I'll miss a lot of them. And FYM Android, so Apple podcasts is not an option. Okay. First of all, it's one of the weirdnesses about Google. Google has this thing they call their moonshot. I think they're the ones that use the term moonshot, where they have all these different little ventures that they try to create their next big entrepreneurial success by getting things out of the lumbering corporate bureaucracy. And so what happens is they'll throw money at these moonshots for a while, maybe years, and they'll say, oh, well, that was nice. That didn't work. In fact, I had someone say to me, my son, it was my son, I was going to switch us over to Google Fi because it's really fantastic for people who travel a lot, particularly outside the United States for cell phone service. He said, Dad, there are all these rumors that Google's going to pull the plug on Google Fi, and then we will switch, and then we'll have to switch back. And that's the credibility problem Google has, because they just one day make a corporate decision, well, we're shutting that down. And so, yeah, that's happening now with Google Podcasts. And by the way, there is nothing other than rumors about Google Fi. I still want to switch to it because of the ability to use it outside the country because AT&T, T-Mobile, and Verizon treat you horribly when you use your cell phone outside the United States. But I digress. So back to your question, 
about Google Podcasts. So if you go for our podcast, you go to clark.com slash podcast, you'll see a bunch of choices where you can listen to us for free, iPhone or Android. You just click on them and you listen to us that way. Or on the site, you can listen right there on clark.com slash podcast. That's true. Either way. And with YouTube, if you go to our page on YouTube, you can see oh, there's a podcast button on our page. It's like a, there's a menu at the top that goes across, and it's almost like tabs, and there's one that says podcast. I always call these things buttons. I, know. I don't know. That's an analog reference <laughs> since I grew up in the analog era. And you'll see our episodes one after another just listed. They're ordered by date. And so you can just click and watch whatever you want because our YouTube watching audience keeps growing and growing and growing in addition to people who just listen. Yeah, so if you use the Android, the Google Podcasts app on your phone, it is going away. So please go subscribe somewhere else so that we don't lose you. So Google, what are you doing? What are you doing? I mean, people get hooked on one of your things and then you say, yeah, well, uh, and what does that do to your brand credibility? You should have some kind of off-ramp for people where maybe you sell your subscribers to one of your Google moonshots to somebody else. Oh, would you like that though? That's how everybody else does it. I mean, it's free. It's a free podcast app. It is free. You can use any other podcast app. But the whole thing is is that they just say, "Hmm, yeah, no. I know. What are they thinking? It's not a way to do business. Anyway, that concludes this episode. And what are we about? You learning ways to save more, spend less, and avoid getting ripped off.